0: Jesus, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, the author of this, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him, since Judas had charge of the money, Some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Jesus, Judas, had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. This is God's word. And it was night. I don't know about you, but when you hear parts of God's word, you tend to maybe gloss over some of these phrases, some of these little, seemingly minor details, and that's what this is. It's, it's, a, it's a throwaway phrase. There's not any um, Jesus loves you gospel in that sentence. But I put it up here for a reason. Um, God puts every word in his, in his word for a reason, for our benefit, to strengthen our faith. And it was night, night. I think sometimes, like on the night that Jesus was betrayed, it's good to remember that Jesus lets the darkness, Jesus lets the night have its way sometimes, and He lets it have uh, run its course for a little while. It was night, and just to clarify, I'm speaking metaphorically. So, when it was night, it's kind of like a metaphor okay, now if something bad is happening and evil is kind of taking over, uh, chaos, confusion, darkness, disorder, I think God kind of puts this phrase in there for us to remember that sometimes God lets the darkness have its way for a while. It's not a good place to be, not a good place. The place of darkness, the place of confusion, the place of real sin, and the place of the betrayal Of God's Son. This was supposed to be a a celebration. This was the Passover. This was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So Jerusalem was bustling with people, and just a few days earlier, it was Palm Sunday, and all of the common folk placed palm branches at King Jesus' feet, and they were singing "Hosanna." Jesus was a a popular guy at, at this point in time, and there he was, in the upper room with his with his close friends, his dear friends, and they were relaxing for a meal. I thought it's not that different from like a really fancy triple dollar dinner or maybe a Lenten supper with, with you and maybe you bring your closest friends and family and everybody that you really love is, is in attendance and you're enjoying their company. It's actually fun. It's, it's not just like chips, and, and, but it, it's, it's, it's a great time. It's, it's an awesome time of fellowship, of fun and, and food afterwards. And now in the upper room, Jesus and his disciples were reclining. There's no tables, remember? So John, the author of this, he's talking in the third person and he, he even leans back on Jesus. It's like they're best friends and they're like college roommates. It was really a good time. And so we know how the story ends. We, we know what happens next and how things kind of go south. But can you imagine uh, how the mood would change when Jesus says something like this? When he kind of cuts through the room and the fellowship very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. That's a shock. That would be a, a jolt. And to be fair, Jesus, he had been warning them. He would, he would say things like this, especially leading up to, to Holy Week. Uh, earlier in John, he said to a much bigger group, he said, I am the bread of, of life. And he went on to say, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day." I mean even today, these words kind of sound a little um, strange to us, and especially back then, when Jesus was starting to say difficult things, things that really didn't make sense to the human mind completely, um, people started to not follow him anymore. It was right after this, when many left him. They said, "This is too hard of a teaching. We don't like this one, Jesus." And that's when, at this point, Jesus went to his 12, his inner circle, and he said, you're not going to leave me too, are you? Because I've, I've chosen you. I've chosen you, the 12. Yet one of you is a devil. And of course, he was referring to, to Judas Iscariot. So there he was. He was doing it again. Jesus was saying something really difficult and something that just didn't jive with what we would expect of him. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. And it just wasn't the great time, Jesus, to say something so hard. You know, can you, can you not Jesus, can you maybe just make it easy for us? Let's, let's just give us tales of glory. Give us the news how you're just going to wipe out all that's bad and you're going to do the good stuff. But that's not what he did. Jesus said, uh, one of you is going to betray me. When we get to Holy Week and we think about the, the idea of the Son of God being betrayed, I think that's kind of hard for us to wrap our little brains around sometimes. It's like, I, this doesn't make sense. How can the true God put himself under humans and how can he know what's going to happen but also just let it? Um, I think an easy explanation is we're, we are sinful and we just can't get there. We can't comprehend. On the other hand, Jesus. Jesus is the one who is the only one fit to carry out his role of being true man and true God at the same time. So he was able to have a true, perfect brain to know what was going to happen in the future. But he also had a perfect heart. You know, our hearts are small and our hearts are, and our, our brains are small and our hearts are weak. But Jesus' heart and his brain are perfect. And so he also, as true man, he, he wanted to brace his disciples for this jolting, unsettling news. He wanted to reach out and protect their faith and say, I love you and I am watching out for your faith. So I'm going to say something that's going to kind of shock you. And it's going to make you confused. And again, we know the ending to the story. We know what, what happened, right? Everything works out in the end, and the, the good side wins. And going back to the end, it was night. You know, this is the battle that's going on every day. It's raging the battle between good and evil, the battle between light and darkness. You know, in the Gospel of John, John says, I am the light of the world, no darkness can overcome it. But try to be a disciple, try to be there that night. And they they don't have the benefit of the hindsight that we do and try to be in their shoes. Can you really blame them for their reaction, for their like paralysis by analysis? They they started to say, is it defensive? Is it I? Is it me? Lord, who is it? Tell us. Is it me? They were really confused. They were kind of just not in their right frame. So again, the celebration, it turns into confusion and it seems like Jesus is letting the nighttime and the, the darkness and the things of evil take control. And so Jesus answered, it's the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. And again, here it seems a little silly. You know, what, what's the point of, can't you just, just say the name, Jesus? Can, we're, we're waiting, just to say the name. But this was this ritual, this breaking of bread actually was fulfilling, um, a 1,000-year-old prophecy that the King David wrote back in Psalm, 1, uh, Psalm 41, verse 9, and King David wrote, Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who shared my bread, has, t- has turned against me. And so we know, but this should have been a really big clue to this, the disciples that Jesus, he's, he's in control. And this really is the Jesus who is true man and true God. This is the Savior. This is the God-man. He knows what's going to happen, even though in this moment it looks pretty dark. So we all know that Jesus gave the bread to Judas, and as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. Darkness, uh, confusion, this is almost chilling words, and and it was night. Another phrase that maybe it's hard for our minds to really get around, Satan entered into him? What, What does that really mean? Was Judas like doomed from the beginning? Did he, did he have a choice in this whole thing? Or was he just like a, a puppet in this machine that he just was possessed by a demon and couldn't really say anything different? Well, no, that's, that's not really how it, how it was. Um, this was actually Judas. Actually Judas who grabbed the bread and actually Judas who, who made the choice to act upon his sin and to uh, you know, engage the, the, the whole plot of betrayal. So we can't, um, we can't let Judas get away with it, um, and that's not how Scripture does it either. Uh, Judas made the choice. Uh, we, God didn't make Ju- Judas do what he did. And so, you know, we're getting kind of in the muck here. I think when we get to this, this story, it's easy to fixate on Judas and the, the doom of it all and kind of how his story ends and how he just messed up, you know, what were you thinking, Judas? You betrayed Jesus, the Son of God, for 30 pieces of silver. Why, why would you do that? Why would you give in like that? We just ask why, and I think even uh, today, the name Judas, I don't, I don't know any parents who might name their kids Judas. If, it, if they do, that's fine, but um, I think the reputation has has preceded Judas, and But I think we we might fixate on on the character of Judas and get kind of down in the dumps um, because um, he's just like you and me. And we're not too far away from Judas. It's kind of painful to admit it, but um, we're we're just like him. And we can be really capable of incredible evil um, if we, not if, but we, we do, we do. Uh, we're not too far away from Judas. Uh, there was a pastor who talked about Satan and um, sin this way, that before you, like, while you're tempted or before you act upon a sin, um, sin really seems small. And it seems like not a big deal. And it's almost like Satan says, just go ahead. It's, it's, not, it's not a big deal. Um, and he, seems, he makes it seem so insignificant. For Judas, it, it was greed. It was just a little sin of greed. Um, he was the treasurer for, the, for the, the group. There were no spreadsheets back then, so it was pretty easy for him to, every once in a while, just pocket a little bit of the money. Um, I think to him, sin might have seemed really small. No, no really big deal. But um, not just a, a nasty habit. Uh, the sin was real, and the force behind it was real. Satan entered into him, and Satan was uh, really convincing him that, that this was the way. It seemed so small, and it's just like that for us, right? I mean, maybe, maybe you're thinking of saying something really nasty about a friend or a sibling or even a stranger. And the devil basically says, Just say it. You know, just, just get it off your chest. What's the big deal? They pretty much deserve it. Just, just let it fly, it's not going to do any damage. He's not he or she is not around to hear you. It's kind of funny. Just 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 go say it. Or maybe um, maybe you, you are contemplating having too much to drink or indulging, and um, waking up the next morning feeling pretty disgusting, kind of treating your body and like a dumpster. Frankly, um, devil might say everybody does this. It's not a big deal. And. Are you going to buy into that? Your body's not your own stuff. You have freedom. You have choice. Just, just, make, just live a little bit. So I'm making it pretty clear. We're no different than Judas. The sin starts small and he convinces us that, that it's small. And the pastor that I was sharing this with me, he went on to say that then, then Satan will do something different. As soon as you or I do the sin, as soon as we make the offense to ourselves or somebody else, Satan will, will blow it up. And he'll magnify or maximize the sin. And he'll say, how could you do that? That was really dumb. You're an idiot. I don't think you can come back from that. I don't think a loving God is going to bring you back from that. You've wrecked your life or you've altered somebody else's life. I think maybe you should consider giving up. At least you should give up Jesus. Just come over here and hang out with me for a little while. So I'm making it pretty clear that we're just like Judas. And Satan will make sin seem small, but then he'll blow it up in your face. And if we stay in Judas's shoes, you know, um, why would he go down this path? Why would he act upon it all? You know, maybe perhaps Judas over time, Judas was hearing Jesus speak, and he was right there walking and, and talking with Jesus. And uh, Jesus would say some beautiful things. But Jesus started to say some hard things, and maybe that wasn't jiving with what Judas was expecting. Did, Ju- did Jesus meet Judas's expectations? Maybe J- Judas' expectations about Jesus were false. And I think we're not told it in Scripture directly, but perhaps Judas was expecting an earthly ruler or an earthly king, a, a, like a kind of a political messiah, and he wanted Jesus to come and just do powerful things and fight it back against the Romans. But that's not what he did. Jesus came and he talked about suffering and death and being weak and humble. And um, I think this made Judas disillusioned. And so that's what uh, made him seal his move to betray him. Maybe I'll turn it to you. Does Jesus meet your expectations? Has Jesus made your life a pleasant place? Does he give you all daytime things or good things? Blessings? I hope he does, and I know he does. But if we're honest, if you're like me, you can be arrogant and say, ah, there's stuff over here that I would probably change. Um, I think I'm going to, you know, shuffle this around a little bit. Um, So we kind of have this dilemma, this every day, once in a while, we come across some darkness and some night and some evil and some uh, chaos and confusion. And um, we realize there's a lot of unanswered questions in our life. We entertain that. It's really, that's possible, that there are going to be lots of unanswered questions. And even though we know how the story ends, we know that Jesus wins and the good side wins, we, we still feel frustrated and confused and we're like we're out of control. Is it also possible that Jesus, who holds your future in his nail-pierced hands, that sometimes he will let darkness, he will let the nighttime just have its way For a little while, I'm just thankful that Jesus didn't say, "Okay, it's done. Let's just wrap it up. It's not worth it. These people, you and me, they're they're fickle and they're they're not going to trust me." I'm thankful He didn't do that. No. When Satan, when when Judas, when the whole world, when you and I stand opposed, whenever we stand opposed to God, Jesus is He's still going to be cross-bound. He still keeps moving forward. And when we are left with kind of like a a paralysis and we're paralyzed by our own sin or something happens that makes us go, what's what's God doing? We need somebody to come in and take action. We need somebody to come in and keep things moving and keep um, the plan rolling, even through the nighttime, even through the darkness and evil. And that's Jesus. That's what Jesus does. He takes even that which opposes him to accomplish his will. Um, and again, Jesus, true man, he felt the betrayal. He felt it. It hurt him. He was sad. But he's also true God. He's powerful enough to keep the plan moving forward and he's powerful enough to ter- turn the evil into the, the good thing. So, dear friends, whenever you're flustered or whenever you are paralyzed by sin, know that God is, is working even through the nighttime God will turn the evil things into um, blessing for you. He's crossbound. He's going to keep going to the cross. I think Judas didn't believe that there was going to be mourning after the light. But there is going to be mourning, and there's going to be good things, and there's going to be a resurrection, and there's going to be a Jesus who is still there fully in control. I think I'm going to leave you with this, or I know I'm going to leave you with this picture, um, this analogy. My, my son, this is his school. This is his hallway. My son missed a few days of school this week. He had some strep throat, and um, he's good now. He's got some antibiotics going, so that, that, that's the good news. But as he was suffering from some of the symptoms, like on Monday and over the weekend, um, there, there were some few episodes he had where he would wake up, um, I think, and I had these when I was little too, and uh, I won't go on too much of a tangent, but uh, night terrors, night tremors, it's pretty common in little kids. When they have a fever, they, they'll wake up, usually at night, usually at nighttime, and they'll say, they'll not know where they are. And this is what Ezra, my son, he didn't know where he was, and he was scared. And he was crying out for mom and dad, and just and, um, distraught. And... Um, Thankfully, I knew it was going to be okay. And can you imagine, you know, why am I I sharing this with you? This is odd, but here's what my point is. Imagine my joy as my son's dad that I knew it was going to be okay. And I couldn't couldn't flip his uh, troubles upside down in, in an instant. I couldn't just flip a switch, but I could gradually calm him down. And his mom did a better job than I did. But we calmed him down and we reminded him that it's going to be okay. And this is going to be over and you're not going to have this all the time. The nighttime and the evil and this crazy confusion in your mind is going to go away, and you are in God's hands. You are loved by Jesus, and hope you know that I'm talking to you as well, not just my, my boy. Even when things are bad or things are in the dark, know that God is working good through even the evil things of, of your life, and you know, even on the non-sick days, it's, it's quite the adventure of getting my son down this hallway and getting him into the kindergarten classroom. But then again, I remind him and I remind you that it's going to be okay. And this, Jesus has this day in his hands. And the morning is going to come. And Jesus is still cross-bound and he still loves you and me. And even when betrayal happens, Jesus is cross-bound and he's going to save us from our sins, and he's going to raise, rise again from the dead. So, Jesus loves you. He is crossbound. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, help us realize that even when um, darkness comes, even when there is nighttime, uh, we are loved by you, and the morning is going to come. Help us remember that you are in control. You're fully in control, even at those moments when it seems as though you are not. We pray this in your name, and we join together in saying Luther's evening prayer. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. Forgive me all my sins, and graciously keep me this night. Into your hands I commend my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the wicked foe may have no power over me. Amen. Dear friends, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.